edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Yes, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Ministry shouldn't and doesn't just happen inside church on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. And he is our healer. Amen. Amen. He's our healer. He's everything that we need. I love that song. Ministers to me every time we sing it. Hallelujah. Strengthens us. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Well, happy Sunday to you. God's good. It's been a, it was a long, busy week. Many of you know, and you helped us get through it, but we did. We made it through. Tuesday went well. Thursday went well. And uh, we're just grateful and thankful. And yesterday went really good with cleanup of the city and grateful for everybody who participates and those of you from the church that came and Gloria and Cynthia and just thankful, 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 and uh, Josh back there. So we worked hard, and boy, what a difference. I don't know if you didn't see the stuff online. My goodness. Tremendous, tremendous. And so what a great job everyone did. And so we're making a difference one one day at a time, and we're just seeing good things happen and improvements. So thankful for that all around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's been good. I just pray you know how blessed you are. I pray you're not living your life based on snapshots. We're, we're, we'll get there. But, but how many of you know sometimes we live our life based on brief moments and periods of time, and, and we live our life based on what we're seeing right now, just, just a, a snapshot of things, not, not based on what the long term is, not necessarily based on what the Word of God declares even, but just a, just a quick image. Hallelujah. Uh, let, let me put it to you another way. How many of you know that if, those of you that are on social media – uh, you know that you can scroll through and everybody always posts the great things. How come y'all only post happy pictures? You'd be fighting like cats and dogs at home and then you post a picture of you two smiling and looking pretty. You, you are lying, lying, lying. We post pictures of our families like we're all united and together when we're all together at a happy dinner, but you just fought the entire time. But you posted that picture to, to make it look like everything's perfect. Amen. And how come you only post pictures when your house is clean? You, you, don't, you don't show us your nasty, dirty dishes or anything like that. You just, you just post the good stuff. And so, and so you make everyone think and just see in snapshots of your life, right? And, and don't, don't, don't pretend like we don't do that in church too. We come in and we only show the good side of things. Come on. We, we only let people know the good things that are going on. We don't necessarily let, let, let ourselves put, let our hair down and demonstrate a really bad day. Amen. When, when things are terrible, when things are wrong. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we tend to live our life based off of these just snapshots, like Instagram posts, like Facebook posts. And for everybody that isn't on any of those things, you live your life the same way. Leaf through your photo album. For those of you that are old school, I, I still got some of those, right? Our photo album's polluted. It, it, our photos aren't reminding of us all, of all the terrible times. Yeah, see, thank you, Cynthia. You're being honest today. Amen. Everyone else is like, oh. It's true. We leave through, and it, 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 it's like, you know, 
it's so false because it just posts all the good things and it doesn't acknowledge, at all acknowledge the fact that we were on the verge of losing our mind in that photo or how stressed out we were when we got married. Our, our wedding photos all look like, you know, just lovely. You know, everyone looks perfect and, and all of those things, let alone the night before you almost took off. You almost didn't show up for the ceremony. You, you almost thought, I don't know if I want to marry that man, Cindy, right? And so we were like, I just don't know about this, right? And yet our photos don't demonstrate any of that. Uh-uh. They show the, the, the good stuff. And only the good stuff. Yeah, we, we live our life based on snapshots. Uh, we're we're going to go into the Word of God today. I, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything or not. Am I supposed to announce anything? Okay, good. Let's go. Uh, Norma's Closet is Tuesday. There there you go. So it's, it happened in a, of the other building. So uh, that's all you need to know. Everything else, pay attention to bulletin, calendar, social media, or read your emails. Hallelujah. Let's go. Let's go to the book of Luke, I think, today. I've had a few texts I thought maybe I would use. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. Somebody said to me yesterday, they said, oh, you're, you guys are just perfect. Yeah, part of you wants to go, yes, we are. Hallelujah. We had neighbors come out and shake our hands, and a couple of neighbors gave donations when we were cleaning up in front of their house, and somebody else dropped off a case of water, and somebody said, but you guys are just perfect. All you do for the community. And I, my, I thought my head was going to, like, spin around. Because I thought, yeah, you're only seeing what we post. You're only seeing that we just dug up five ton of stuff off of Connellsville Street. You're only seeing the 1,200 cars that we're feeding, and you're only seeing what we want you to see on social media. I mean, our church don't even post the bad stuff. When, when I'm on the verge of losing our mind, none of, the, none of the staff posts a picture of me, like, pulling my hair out on our Monday morning staff meeting. None of them post that. No, nobody, nobody, Thursday, we got all kinds, I mean, people blew us up on Facebook Thursday about the distribution, how awesome it was, how good the food was, all these great things. And little did they know about 1230, me and Pastor Donnie and another lady of our volunteers were literally on the verge of just losing it all. I'm going I'm to get real for you. See, now you're all getting quiet. You're like, oh, he's, he's coming for us today. Meaning out of frustration and anger. See, they, they just see the pictures of food and the long lines, and it looks successful, not considering the work it takes, the frustration it takes, the, the volunteers that it takes, the, the, the money that it takes, the, 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 all of it. The, the complaints that we get, the griping and complaining and the misery and the early mornings that we get up and orchestrating and dealing with truck drivers and, and hoping and praying they don't break down on their way from Philly and just all the logistics. And so they said, you guys are just awesome. And while I can appreciate that, and I appreciate people say, oh, y'all, perfect. Your church makes such a difference. That's great. You have no idea because we, we post what we want you to see. 
you know, that's sort of the, what, the way we live. You only let people know what you want them to know. When, when you're on the verge of losing your mind, people say, how are you? Oh, I'm great. With your fake smile, with our just for men hairdos. Yeah, I'm fake too. Right? Hallelujah, right? With all the things that we do, because we only let you in and let you know what we want you to know. And so we end up living our life based off of these brief images that we collect, brief moments and periods. How many of you have ever really lost your temper for something that was just temporary? I, I mean, nobody in here ever loses their temper. None of nobody must be angry. I don't know about. I've lost it a few. Cindy and Brandon have seen me lose it a few times. I mean, lost it. I, I mean, I'll pick up something and shatter it, and then be like, "You dummy! You just cost yourself, you know, X number of dollars." Because it's a brief moment in time. Well, y'all are just too quiet today. You, yeah. are you hearing me? We'll, we'll, we'll allow ourselves to be completely impacted. We'll allow our attitude, our anger, all of those things, because of a, a brief moment. Because someone did something or because our, our emotions get the best of us, all of those things, I, you know, whatever. But we, we, we allow ourselves to be dictated by these brief snapshots of life. And so I want us to go into the Word of God in Luke chapter 15. We're going to just read five or six verses. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 15. And we'll start in verse 15. Now, this is a familiar text, and I chose it intentionally because it's so familiar. Beginning in verse 15, it says, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the prodigal son who left his father's house. We're, we're picking this up kind of in the middle of the story because of uh, time and because of where I want us to focus today. So we're talking about the prodigal son. He's left his father's house, and he's joined himself with people who were not covenant-keeping people. He joined himself with people and did things that he said he would never do. Has anybody ever done something you said you would never do? Mm-hmm. And it goes on, and it reads, and he sent him into fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the husks that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Uh-huh. See, nobody was giving him anything, so it was driving him to have a, uh, uh, an appetite beyond normal. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, when he came to himself, consider that for a moment. I, I, I'm going to keep interrupting this. It says, but when he came to himself, it's interesting. It doesn't really let us know what age that was. But how many have ever thought, oh, I wish so-and-so would just grow up? Haven't you ever worked with people that you just thought, would you, I just wish they would get over themselves or I wish they would grow up? And in other words, when he came to himself or when he came to the end of himself, for everybody that's different. 
Some of y'all are, are, are 50 and just now growing up. Some, some people don't ever grow up. They're, they're, they're just always immature and all of those things, right? But this is a period of time. So we don't necessarily know his age. We know he's the youngest of the children. But we don't necessarily know specifically what age. But I wanted to point that out, that we, we, he came to himself, that we don't know what age it was, but he eventually did. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I am here perishing with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Oh, my, my, my. Notice something. It, it, was, this, it was this man's confession that gave him access to his father. Oh, we're going to go somewhere today. Stay with me. Verse 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off. But when he was still a great way off. His father saw him. And had compassion. His father saw him and had compassion. Do you see people that did you wrong? Boy, it's quiet. Do you see the people who did you wrong? See, a, a, a lot of us in the, our gener this generation, there's a lot of men and women, they don't necessarily feel seen. God sees you. I see you. Sometimes we wonder why people behave the way they do. They, they want to be seen. The father saw his son a ways off, and it said he had compassion. The father had compassion. I, I'm, I'm interrupting there again because there comes a point in time in every one of our lives where we have to stop running our mouth, stop complaining against people, stop, stop yelling at people and giving, giving them all the rules and telling them all the things they're not doing and stop telling them all the things that they did wrong, stop, stop saying all the things that we've been saying for years, stop saying I told you so and just have compassion. Huh. Not a lot of amen in today. Are you hearing me? There just comes a point where you and I have to get to the end of ourselves and stop preaching the same message, stop, stop yelling and screaming and doing things that it hasn't changed anything. It hasn't moved anybody. Haven't you ever noticed that? You are still yelling and have the same arguments with your spouse that you had five years ago and 10 years. Your position has not changed. Their position has not changed. And it doesn't matter how loud you yell, the louder you yell will never make me change my mind. I don't know. Sometimes I think we try to just out yell and out scream the other one thinking somehow if they hear us more, they're going to change their mind. No, it will make me even even dig in deeper. <laughs> right. I'll become more emboldened and more determined that I'm, I'm going to just push back just because I can. That might not be godly, but I'm just telling you how it's going to be. All right. 
right? Because that's how we are. But yet we'll scream and yell. And maybe, maybe one of the lessons we need to learn right here in the beginning as we get started this morning is there comes a point where we just need to see them and have some compassion. Oh, it might be tough today, y'all. Hallelujah. See them and just have some compassion. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord. Watch this. And then in verse, last part of verse 20, it says, he, 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 he saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, Lord, help us today. I don't know if any of you in this place have ever felt unworthy. But when you don't feel worthy, then who you are designed to be does not activate. And that is some of the struggle that we possess is knowing where to fit, knowing where our destiny is. Hear what I'm telling you. When you, when you do not feel that you are worthy, you will struggle to know your purpose. You will struggle to know and figure out where you fit in. You will struggle. We go through, we'll go through relationships and we'll burn friendships and we'll burn bridges all because oftentimes we don't feel worthy. And we're not going to deal with that much today. But I wanted to point that out. What, what, what the son said, that he was no longer worthy. He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. No longer worthy. There, there, what's interesting about this text, there's so many different things in it. That's why I only chose just a few scriptures of the entire story to focus on today because there's so, so many different directions, and I've preached about disappointments out of this text, dealing with disappointments in life. I've preached Father's Day messages out of this text. We've been able to, to, to preach a lot of messages from one particular text, but uh, one of the things that I, I want you to point out is that maybe you and I have been waiting a long time for something. But this text reminds us that it is worth the wait. That it is worth the wait. Hallelujah. That, it's, that, that, that oftentimes we give up on certain things because of a snapshot of our life, because of a brief period or moment in time. But whatever it is that we've been waiting on, whatever it is that God has encouraged us to wait on, it is worth the wait. I, I, I want to just begin for a moment. I, I want to reflect on the dynamics of the family. If we had taken the time to read the entire text, there's a lot of dysfunction clearly in this family. But there's dysfunction all throughout Scripture with families. Families go back as far as the Old Testament, right? Clear back to the beginning. After creation and, and God creates Adam and Eve and they begin a family and they have sons, right? Immediately we see the, the turbulence and the difficulty and the dysfunction of families. Uh-huh. The, the raw images of family, and one brother kills another brother, and we're dealing with murder straight from the top. 
Uh-huh. We're dealing with jealousy and, 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 and all kinds of things, and we're dealing with Adam and Eve and their dynamic and, and disobeying the, the, the words of God. And so from the very first family in the book of Genesis, there was confusion. There was a, a, a family that was convoluted. There was a family that was dysfunctional and a family that had all kinds of turbulence in their life. And yet here in the text we're reading today in Luke 15, we, here we see it all over again. All those same things at work again in this family. All through Scripture, if anybody who knows their Bible, all through Scripture we see families that dealt with rape, families that dealt with molestation, families that dealt with drunken fathers, families that dealt with prostitutes. And the list goes on and on and on. Why? Because life is messy. I said, life is messy. I don't know if you're living in the same world I am, but just life in general is messy. Life is complicated. And that's why you and I got to be careful we don't covet something that our neighbor might have or the marriage they might have because we are standing on the outside trying to look in. But every family kind of looks good from the outside looking in. But once you get in on the inside, you'll suddenly find out what you used to think is not the case. Let me give you an example. You date someone you're so in love and you think things are great and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the one. And then you meet the family. And you are thinking you've just been introduced to some other kind of level of crazy. And the only thing that keeps you hanging on is because you are so infatuated, so in love with, so in awe of that other person. And you're thinking, surely they're not like them. I haven't seen that crazy from them. Am I telling you the truth? See, finally you're going to wake up on me. Come on, I know what it is. You meet someone, you fall in love, and you were just like awestruck, you know, writing love letters, sending text. Well, today would be text messages, right? Uh, FaceTiming because you can't wait to see him. You just saw him two hours ago. Face, I just miss you. I can't wait to see you. And, and you do all of those crazy things, and yet their family is nuts. Their family fights and yells and screams and cusses. Their family fights over the dumbest stuff. I, I, I mean, just another level of crazy, you know, another level. Their jealousy and hypocrisy and all the things. They'll all come to church and sit to church together and pretend they're all right, but then there'll be afternoon Sunday dinner. I mean, throwing food kind of crazy. That's just our family, I guess, Mom. We, we, we're the kind of family we used to throw food. I mean, you know. Duck, here comes a handful of mashed potatoes, right? Don't See, there you all go, judgy. There's the church being judgy. Come on, just, but just because we didn't beat up nobody didn't mean we didn't throw mashed potatoes. Hallelujah. It was the substitute for me not cold cocking you upside your head. Hallelujah. Instead of slapping you, I would slap you with a pancake. Hallelujah. It's still domestic violence, but, it, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't me. Hallelujah. See, I'm just trying to break this down and let you know everybody has some kind of level of crazy. And I'm giving you the PG version, all right? 
Uh, there's a level crazy in my family that would make my mother's face turn blue. Uh, you, you know, uh, I, there's a level of crazy in our family. I could tell you stories, hallelujah. And some of you have got called to your house to your crazy, so I know you're crazies. Don't be judging me. I'll pull some skeletons out the closet, y'all. Yes. I've been to people's houses where the father and son were fighting, and the son was chasing the father through the oar with a pitchfork. He was screaming when I pulled in there. He said, preacher, get out of my way. I'm going to stick him. I'm going to stick him. A whole other level. I thought I'd seen it all. Or you roll up on people's porches. I won't mention any names. And there's a level of screaming that you'd ever thought was like worldly possible coming from inside that house. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we all got crazy. And so we are, but, but, but see, we'll set all of that craziness aside that we see on the inside happening of a family because of the love we have for somebody new. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to base our decision off the rest of our life on a snapshot. Thinking that what we have is different, that they are different, that they are of their family, but they're not really a part of their family. Are you hearing me? That that kind of crazy will never show up in my house. Because they love me just so much. Because we're still in a honeymoon phase. And because they love me and their eyes roll back in their head when they see me and and, and, and their breath smells perfect, and their hair's never messed up, and they're never in a bad mood. I can't ever imagine we would have that kind of crazy, only to find out that your crazy surpassed their crazy a long time ago. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so I believe, isn't it interesting that God begins the family right in the beginning. He, but he doesn't establish the church until the New Testament. I, be, I believe it's because God knew that family is one of those things that just takes time. Mm. Family is like something, anything good you cook. Any, do you ever notice anything really good takes time? I know some of y'all be using your air fryers and cheating in the microwave and whatnot, but I mean, it, it might be edible, but it ain't good. So, some of y'all that cook, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, the best kind of meat is what's slow cooked. Put that stuff in the smoker, let it smoke for 22 hours. Take your boiled microwavable meat TV dinner. It just ain't, it may be edible, but it ain't the same. Our society wants everything quick. Man, do we ever. We want it fast. Our drive-thrus, we want fast. Everything is just fast, fast, fast. When we order, even me, when I order something online, I expect it next day. Thank you, Amazon. And so when I find some kind of company that doesn't get it to me next day, I got an attitude. I'm emailing. You know, I expect it next day, right? When When we roll up in a restaurant, I expect service to be quick and efficient and friendly, right? Anything less than that, you know, I'm perturbed because my 
my, my time is, is, is money. My time is valuable, right? And so we want everything quick, but, but God even introduces us to family right in the beginning. And God, I believe, did family because he knew how dysfunctional and difficult and, 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 and how many struggle would become with family. See, that's why some of us are still struggling in those areas because it's not something that works itself out easy. Hallelujah. I'm preaching for somebody today. Hallelujah. Families are messy and families are complicated. Yes, they are. Yes. Part of the pain of families is what I've realized is part of the pain that we deal with is comparing ourselves with others. Haven't you ever noticed one of the, one of the common denominators in every family is, is that we don't get along with everyone. And the reason, one of the reasons is because we're comparing ourselves with them silently. You don't tell them to their face, but to their face, but you are comparing yourself with them before you get there, what they're driving, how they act, what they're wearing, hallelujah. And there's a certain amount of pain that comes with that that we don't ever want to talk about. But yet we want our families to have it right. We want our families to get along. We want our families to do it quick, right? We, we, we want our marriages to be quick. Some of you, you fall in love quick and you want to get married quick. You better wake yourself up. Watch this. Every, uh, we have people that call here because they'll see us on TV or online and they want me to do a wedding. No. No, it's just a firm no. If I don't know you, if you don't come here, it's no. I used to do weddings just because, you know, I didn't have much else to do. But now I have too much to do. I'm not doing your wedding. I don't care. I'll marry you if you come to this church. I'll marry you if you're family. But beyond that, no. Because all you're interested in is a ceremony. Go to the judge. Go to someone else. You can get a license online. Marry your own self in Pennsylvania for all I care. But I'm not performing that ceremony because what you want is something quick. A, a, a wedding ceremony takes 30 minutes uh, but a marriage can take 30 years. Those of us who have been married, we understand. We may have been married and failed a time or two, but listen to me. And the reason is, is because a wedding can take 30 minutes, but a real marriage can take 30 years. See, we, we, we want the wedding quick. We fall in love quick, and we think what we fell in love with in those first few months is how the, the marriage is going to be. You think your honeymoon phase is how it's always going to be, and that's just not the case. Those of us that have lived long enough know that relationships get stale. They get dry. We get irritated. We get irritated just looking at them. Just their voice is like nails on a chalkboard. Come on, we all love Jesus, but sometimes, you know, the Jesus in me gets a little smaller than he ought to. And so sometimes just people irritate me, right? Their voice. Is, am I telling you all the truth or not? Sometimes you can just go to Walmart and just the sight of people, you're just like, Jesus, beam me out of here. God, you called me to minister to people, but right now I really don't like people very much. Sometimes I've got to pray that prayer, Brother Clifford. Lord, I'm, I'm really not too happy with people. I don't know why you'd be calling me to preach to people. I don't even like them. Lord, help me because I'm not loving nobody today. It's Monday, Jesus. Right? That's the reality of it. So come on, we're not all smiles and joyful. I'm not always rolling around with the joy of the Lord being my strength. There's sometimes I have a bad day. There's sometimes my emotions get the best of me. Are you hearing me? And yet the same thing's true when it comes to marriage. The same thing's true when it comes to family. We want everything to be quick, but every, anything good will take time. 
Those of you that, that are know how to cook, hallelujah. Those of you that don't buy takeout for dinner every night and don't microwave your spouse's dinner, you know anything good, it takes time. Real grits take time, hallelujah. You and your 30-second, 60-second grits, get out of here. Hallelujah. Good Lord. We buy the pre-cooked chicken now and everything. It's frozen. It's been cooked. And all you got to do is heat it. You don't even know good. I don't care how much stuff you put on that. It's still gross. Because it, it just ain't fresh. Hallelujah. Things, that, But we do the same thing in our marriages, our families. But anything good takes time. Takes time. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God started out with the family early on because God knew we were going to struggle with it. Believe it or not, this message is not about family. But it's a part of it that we cannot ignore, that there's a family dynamic that we all deal with, the, the family crazy we all have. How many of you remember when family used to go to church together? Now we're all over the place. Grandma goes here, and this daughter goes over there, and this one goes over there, right? Because family dynamics. I don't like the preacher like she likes them. I don't like the music over there. Man, when, we were, when I grew up and we went to the United Methodist Church, everybody in the family went there. Right? And everybody, everybody else's family went there, right? We can't even agree as a family on where to go to church. I mean, for real. What, what am I saying? Uh, somebody was, well, I was having a conversation, a political conversation the other day. We, we, we had our Tuesday night debate and all of the things that we hosted for our city council members and all of that. And I was in a conversation and someone said, I just don't know what the answer is. And I instantly knew what the answer was because of the text that I had been looking at thinking I was going to preach. And I thought, I know what the answer is, but it, it's, it's, just, it's not a simple answer, but I know what the answer is. Cause, cause, because I understand why God took the time to establish family early on. See, our communities are in trouble. We've been doing a lot of work the last couple of months on our city and trying to bring reform and trying to bring renovation to it and trying to revitalize our city. But the truth of the matter is just cleaning up sidewalks and just dealing with crime will never fix our community. It won't even fix our county. And that's not even going to fix our nation. See, our communities are in trouble and our nation is in trouble. My God, somebody, our churches are even in trouble. And you don't want to know what the real root of all of those things is. And, and our families are in trouble, our communities are in trouble, our nation is in trouble, and the reason is is because our families are in trouble. See, the family can only produce uh, the fruit of whatever it's come from, right? So our communities are, have produced the fruit with, 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 the, with the rotted root that's coming out of our families, What's happening in our, in our city, what's happening in our community, what's happening all around our nation is because of what's happening in our families. You might not agree with it at this moment, but if you'll take time to think about it, it sure is true. Because how can you have a strong community if you, don't have a, if you have a weak family? Because the community itself is made up of families. See, we used to at home learn hard work, discipline, protocol, skills. We used to learn how to cook. Our young girls used to learn how to be women in the home. Our men, our young boys used to learn how to be men in the home. Now they learn how to be women on TikTok. That's the truth. 
Now Twitter teaches them what it is to be a woman. Now the Kardashians teach your girls what it is to be a woman. Lord, help us all. I saw a woman the other day. Her lips were so big, I thought she had watermelon on her face. But they think that's what, I'm, I'm telling you the honest to God's truth. I thought, Lord, have mercy. And influenced by the Kardashians, where is your mother? Where is your grandma? Where is somebody that slapped you upside your head, lay hands on you, prayed for you, and said, do you really think you look good? See, that's what, if someone loves you, they'll tell you the honest truth. So, so if you really want me to tell you, no, that doesn't look good on you, don't ask me. Because I'm the kind of person, I'll tell you, no, that's not flattering. And it's only because I love you enough to tell you the truth. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? But, but now we're in a society where we think everybody should look the same, that everybody should have the same kind of hair, the same style, and that it ain't cute unless it says cute across your rear end. That's what we've taught women, that that's what it is to be a woman. I'm telling the truth. Yeah, I am. We, 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 we are, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram has taught our men what it is to be. You ain't a man unless you got some man bun. You, 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 ain't, a, you ain't a man unless you do things that you're not, you don't, you're not really a man anymore unless you're fluid. Unless you dress a little feminine. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not preaching anything that isn't the truth. I'm just telling you, go try to buy men's clothes, men. It's hard to find jeans that I can even, I mean, I'm skinny as a rail, and I can't even find jeans I can fit into that aren't snugging me in places I don't want to be hugged. Come on. I don't want to see you dressing like that. I, I, I don't want to wear shirts that are so tight on me that the fact that I have no muscles, it shows. I try to hide the fact that I am skinny mini. I want to, to flake you out and make you think I'm big and bad, and underneath all this, I'm built. And then you make me buy these T-shirts that, that show how skinny my arms are because you want me to be feminine. Because that's what it is to be a man. Why is it like that? Because the breakdown in the family. It, it, it all comes back to family. When, 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 when families quit teaching what it was to be a woman and when families and churches quit teaching what it was to be a man, the world said, we will. Oh, we will. We'll show you. Why do you think the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it? Because it's our job. And when we forfeit that job, there will always be a substitute. The enemy always has to substitute in the waiting. And so when the churches stop teaching what it is to be a young lady and what it is and how, how to be a wife and how to be a mother, come on, somebody. And when the, and the church stops teaching men how to be men and how to, 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 to take care of our families and care for our wife and how to be a protector and how to be a provider, I know I'm preaching good to you today. Their enemy will always fulfill that and, and bring forth a substitute. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what we're dealing with as a nation and as a community all comes back to the heart of the family because we can't have healthy communities without healthy families we'll never have a nation united i don't care what anybody running for president says you will never have a united nation as long as you have a divided family 
It might sound good. It might get them votes, but it's a lie until the, the real root of the problem, which is the family unit, gets restored. That's when you and I will begin to see unity in our nation. And, and the fault is not one party or the other or one man or one woman. The fault lies with us because we gave up what it means to be a family. We stopped caring for caring for our families. We stop advising and praying for and calling people out when they look silly and telling people that that's not what a, a godly woman should do. That's not how a godly man treats his wife. Come on, somebody. When we let, the, when we let that stuff break down in the church, it started affecting and influencing our communities. Hallelujah. We can't even have families united if mom and dad are divided. Oh, yes. And so I say all that to bring us back to the text that the most selfish person in the text has the, the lead role. Haven't you ever wondered why is it that some people can be all stuck up on themselves? And they seem to always just get the attention. They're always the one. They're the selfish, the most nastiest. They're just the worst kind of human being, and yet they always seem to be in the spotlight. Same thing's true in the text. Don't pay attention. The father is not the lead role in this text. If this was a movie or a popular TV drama, the father would be a supporting role. The whole main character in the text is the son, the prodigal son. He's the most selfish one of everybody we see. The father may be the one that held it all together, but, but and, and trust me when I tell you, it hurt the father when, when the son left. But the father's the one that, who's trying to hold everything together. Let, let, me, let me just tell you as a side note that, that the text doesn't deal much with the hurt of the father, but I can tell you as a father that this man hurt when his son left. See, let me tell you, just because it doesn't say that the man cried, I can tell you he cried. When everything that he had worked for, his son said, come and give me my inheritance. In other words, daddy, you haven't died yet, but let me take what I'm going to get when you die and give it to me now so I can go spend it. And then he leaves his father and he spends everything, even though the text doesn't say that the, how hurt the father was and how miserable he was and how, how much he may have cried. I can tell you that he, that he did. Cause just be, but, but even so, just because a man doesn't cry does not mean he's not hurting. We'll dispel that myth that we, we, don't, we often don't cry like, like ladies you might want us to. Or like the world might want us to, but it doesn't mean we're not hurting. I was at a dinner the other night and everyone kept saying, what's wrong? I was fine. I was really good, but, but I've just become one of those people where I can be happy and I'm, I can be angry and I'm sort of, I'm just in the moment, you know, nothing sort of moves me and my emotions sort of aren't all over the place anymore. Maybe I finally came to myself as the text says. So I was sort of just present. No, no extreme emotion. A couple people said, what's wrong? Are you okay? What's wrong? Same thing. Sure, I can get bad news. Not always, but I can get bad news and just be. I can get good news and still be stone-faced. I think it's important that you, that we sometimes remember that just because 
my face isn't radiating the kind of radiating the kind of emotion that yours does doesn't mean anything's wrong. It might just be me being me. How many of you know sometimes our reactions or lack thereof gets us in trouble sometimes? I mean, haven't you ever had a fight with somebody? Is it, why, why do you look like that? Why do you have that face? Why do you look at me that, that way, right? Something, something's going on or you're, you're, you're expressing yourself and you're all into it and intense and maybe yelling with all kinds of passion in your face and they're just sort of looking at you. But you and I have to have that kind of understanding that, that, that our face may not radiate the same kind of emotion that you have. I, I can feel the same thing you're feeling, I, and yet I can be stone-faced. It's just a matter of how God has created some of us to be, especially as men. We're not real emotional necessarily in how we, how we, how we express our emotions. Hallelujah. But we live in a society, the society we live in, that gives empathy and compassion to people that are visible. And so our society wants us to be visual. It wants us to be expressive even in our face. It wants us to be expressive in the things that we post online. It wants us to be expressive, right? And yet the people that are visible often receive the, more, the most compassion. Haven't you ever noticed that? The, the people that are more visible, the people that express the, their emotions the most, all of those things are the one that often receive the most compassion. Hallelujah. I'm going somewhere. So here's the father who is not the main character in the story that we're looking at. But, but, and the reason is not he's not the one producing the drama. We all know some people that know how to produce drama in life. We all have family members that they're the ones that are always stirring the pot. Though they're always the ones that have something going on around them. Or maybe it might be you. I don't know. Uh, some of y'all might be in here today. There are always some people just in, in every church that wants to stir something up. In the workplace, we all know somebody somewhere, right, that are always stirring the drama. In this instance, the father is not that one. The father is the one holding it all together. The, the, the young man, the young son is the one that's full of all the drama. And, 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 and he's the one causing the issue at, the, at, at, the, at this moment. But, but I've learned something about drama. Drama is one of those things that usually dries up with age. That's why you won't find much drama around Lois. Hallelujah, 93. There isn't a lot of drama left. Hallelujah. But there are some of us that we're so drama-driven and dramatic about everything, that's why we don't get results. Haven't you ever noticed that people who are so drama-driven, there's always a hurricane around you, but you're never really obtaining the results that you want. Because your drama may demand a lot of attention, but it will not provide to you the kind of attention that you really desire. It'll put a lot of eyes on you. It might get you a, a, a momentary, uh, someone to pay attention to you momentarily, but it's not going to get you the results that you need. The prodigal son said to the father, <coughs> he said, give me the portion of my inheritance that, that's going to fall to me. He sort of had a sense of entitlement, a sense of, uh, 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 of, of entitlement as a son expecting his father to give him what he had lived for, what he had worked for, all that he had set aside. He expected him to give him his inheritance that he would have received when his father died. But instead, the son is really in such a hurry to get what's going to come to him, he asked his father to give him his inheritance early. 
In other words, Dad, I'm in such a hurry to get what's going to be mine. Eventually get out of the way and give me what's going to be mine. I'd rather have the gift than I would have the giver. In other words, Dad, I'd rather have what you can give me rather than to have you. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Money, money, money. Dad, give me your money. Hallelujah. In other words, I'd rather have the seed than I would the sower. Or I'd rather have the healing than I would the healer. See, that's the same thing we do when we get in trouble. See, sometimes we'll only pray or only ask God to touch us when we get real sick. So in other words, you're telling God, Lord, I'd rather have the healing than I would the healer because your relationship with God doesn't dictate that you really desire a relationship. You want the healer or you want the healing over the healer. Are are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? We do that with people sometimes. Some people only come around when they need something you have. They don't know you. They don't talk to you on social media. They don't even text you to say, hi, I know what that's all about. I I don't ever hear from people and say, preacher, pray. You know how many times somebody has asked me, how are you? No. Here's what you can do for me. Right? Because that's just how we are. You have something I need. So here, fulfill the need that I have. Hallelujah. We're so bad at that. We do it with family. We do it with friends. We do it in the church. We do it with God. Amen. Here, that's the same kind of mentality that, that the son had with the father. I'm not interested in you. I'm interested in what you can give me. I'll say, can you come over and fix this? Can you come over and do this? Yeah, you're only interested in what I can do for you, not for me. You're not interested in getting to know me as a person. You want me to be Mr. Fix-It. You want me to do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want, you want to utilize the gifting that God has given me for you, but you're not interested in getting to know me. Don't you know I am the gift? That is just a part of who I am. Hallelujah. That you'll get so much more if you'll get to know me. I'm telling you the truth. Are you hearing me? You need to start paying attention to how you are reacting and treating people and dealing with people. Because if you are only getting me to be Mr. Fix-It for you, you are getting the cheaper side of me. But if you want all that, is, that I am really good at, then you may need to get to know me as a person. There's more to me than that. There's more to me than knowing how to play a piano. There's more to me than the, the things that you might see. There's a lot more. Get to know me as a person. Don't just, don't just try to get the cheap part of me. Are you hearing me? See, your real friends are the people who know you like that. People want to always go to dinner. Go to, I, don't, I don't want to do a coffee because what coffee means is you need to pick my brain about something else that you don't know nothing about. You're not interested in getting to know me. You're not going to ask me how I am. You're not going to ask me. Don't waste my time. I don't have time for fairy, fair-weathered friends. I need to have time where I can pour my heart out to somebody and say I'm on the verge of losing it, breaking down, losing my mind. Hallelujah. And yet here you want to just have the cheapest part of me. So you can pick my brain for some wisdom. What do I get out of that? See, relationships are reciprocal. Or give and take. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The son wanted the cheapest part of his father. The cheapest part of his father. He says, give unto me the portion that falls to me. And then it says, the father divided unto, unto them his living his living. It says, the father divided unto them his living. How much is that? 
How much is the living? What's it mean he divided unto him his living? In other words, he divided unto them his life. Everything that he had worked for, everything that he had accumulated, whatever he accumulated, he spent his life to get it. And so when, it, when he gave it to his sons, it wasn't just that he was giving them money, he was giving them his life. He gave them his life. His life. And that's okay. We, we can look at it and we can say, man, that, it's wrong that he asked that of his father and it's wrong that the father gave it. But see, it's okay really because if a father really loves their son, if you, if you really love your children enough, you don't mind dividing unto them your life. I find it interesting that the father said nothing. The father didn't argue. In fact, the Bible doesn't say he said anything. The father stayed quiet. The father divided unto them his living. And the Bible says that the prodigal son took his living and just started living it up. Started living it up, started going and spending it on prostitutes and, and, and entertaining his friends and, and making it rain with money and all of those things. He started just, he had all kinds of brand new friends because they wanted what he had, not him. And so, and what I find interesting is he started getting all kinds of women and hiring them in for the night, the Bible says. And he, he was just living it up, but the Bible only mentions those women and those friends once. Notice that after it's all gone, where'd they go? Fair-weathered friends. People that aren't, aren't, aren't a main part of the story. That's why you've got to pay attention to those people who come into your life quickly and really aren't interested in staying. They're only interested in what you have, what you can give them. And so here, the, the father gives the son his, his part of the inheritance that the son squanders it all, uses it on whoring it up and living it up and, and living off the streets and, and buying weed or whatever it was he wanted to do with the money. He went and used it up and, on, on, and, and squandered all of the wealth that he received. Son told us, Dad, give me the inheritance that's going to fall to me. In other words, that the, the son was telling the father how to be a father, and he wasn't even a father yet. I want you to consider for a moment how the father may have felt when the son walked out the door, took his portion of his inheritance, and he blew it. He didn't increase it. He didn't invest it. He blew it. He took everything that he was given. He took everything that he was taught. He took everything that, that, that he, his father had poured into him and he squandered it. The Bible says it was riotous living. And to all that, the father said nothing. Instead, the Bible says that the father waited. The father waited while it looked like it wasn't going to pay off. The father waited not knowing if his, his son was maybe dead or alive, not knowing if his son would ever come home, not knowing how the end of the story was going to work out. The father just had to wait. He had to just wait and see what, would, what was going to happen. 
Think about that for a moment. The, 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 the old man, the father, the old man had to sit back. The old man who had the most sense, who had the most wisdom, who had the most knowledge had to sit back and wait on the youngest man who had the most time. Here's the man with the least amount of time left on the earth waiting on the man with the most time. I don't know about you, but waiting is so hard. I don't know if you've ever had to wait on something, wait on something to turn around, wait on God to show up, wait on, on, on God to reach into the heart of someone and change it, or you've had to just wait for results of some kind, or you've had to just wait for the right season or wait for the right time. I, I don't know how many of you have ever had to wait, but I've had to wait a few times in my life for, for my life to turn around, for people to turn around, for things to work themselves out. And I'm here to tell you, waiting is hard. I said, waiting is hard. It's really hard. I, I believe that one of the indications that waiting is hard because the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Why? Why does the Bible say they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? Because waiting expends energy. Just waiting. Haven't you ever noticed when you go to the doctor and you're waiting? I don't wait at mine because I told her the last time that I went and I had to wait on her. I said, my time is more valuable. And just like I have to wait for you, you're going to pay me next time. I have to wait for you two hours and 15 minutes. You are out your mind. I don't wait on them. Do they cost too much money for me to have to sit there and wait on? I did it like that. I got things to do. I don't wait. Hallelujah. I don't like to wait. God knows I don't like to wait. But waiting expends energy. That's why when you go anywhere and you have to sit in the hospital and wait on someone having surgery, you are exhausted. Because waiting expends energy. I get tired of waiting. I, get, I, I need strengthened just from waiting. Sometimes we need revival in the church just from waiting. So the father, the Bible says, the, so the father waited because good, because anything good takes time. Remember, I said good food takes time. So here's the father, a man of wisdom, a man of knowledge, a man who gave up half of his inheritance to his, one, to his sons, and, 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 and he gave it to him, and here he is. He has no choice. All he can do is wait. He waited while the son went and blew the money and got payday loans or bought weed or whatever it was he did with it all and squandered it in all the ways that the Bible lets us know. He, he, the father waited while he was hanging out with friends that he would rather spend his time, time with friends than he would his father. He waited while his son valued friends over him as a father. And yet the father didn't say a word. See, it's... it's, it's that, that, that the fact that the Father says nothing speaks so loudly to me. Because sometimes you and I just have to be quiet. Because sometimes, how many of you have just talked to people or yelled at people or been there to help people till you were blue in the face? And nothing's changed. See, there's some wisdom in this text. The Father spoke not a word. Because the Father knew that He had to just wait until the Son sees it for Himself. Do you know how much peace we lose? 
how much joy we lose because we're trying to get someone to see something that they're not ready to see. That's why sometimes we'll try to help somebody. Here you are trying to help somebody and get them to turn their life around or get them to get set free from some kind of addiction or whatever. And you have been trying, 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 and yet it's not happening because they're not ready to see it. The father sits there and the father says not a word. His silence is what's speaking loudly in this text. Because sometimes you and I just have to sit back and wait for some people to grow up. Sometimes we have to just wait for some people to get it right. Sometimes we have to wait. And, and, and yes, sometimes we just have to wait for our kids to get it right, for our family to get it right, for, for, for our friendships to get it right, for, for our spouse to get it right. Sometimes we have to just wait for them to see it for themselves and say nothing while we wait. It's, watch this. It's important that you say nothing while you wait because it's, 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 it's more difficult enough. That's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You're expending enough energy while you wait, but it will make it even worse if you open your mouth. Oh, Lord, I'm preaching for somebody. I can sense it in this room today. So it's not enough. We have the need and we have the desire. We always want to be heard. We want to be seen. We want them to hear our point of view. And we'll say things like, I don't know what it's going to take for you to get this. They're not. They're not going to get it from you. We've lost our ability to wait. If our relationship doesn't work after a short period of time, we're out of there. If we're not happy every day, we're leaving. Yet the truth of the matter is no friendship, no relationship, no marriage is happy every day. We're just not. I'm not bringing you a cup of coffee every day because some days I just don't want to. Are you, don't mean I don't love you. Maybe I'm just being selfish that day. Maybe I'm just all up in my head. Maybe I'm not smiling today, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. So the Bible says that the old man waited. And while he waited, the boy went in a, and, a, and the Bible says he attached himself to a citizen of another country. He, he, he they, they, the citizen of the other country, the Bible says they sent him to feed what his father never would have even fed him. Because you need to remember something that this, this boy, the prodigal son is, is Jewish. He never would have even eaten swine, let alone feed it. And now here he is, squandered it all, and he is feeding something that his father would never even consider to feed him. His vision was that low. He was in such a low place. And while he was sitting there, he wasn't desiring to barbecue himself up some ribs. He wasn't desiring to, to, to cook himself up some pork chops. No, 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 because that wasn't a part of who he was. The Bible says that he started lusting after the corn husks that the swine did eat. You know you got to be in a low place to start desiring and lusting after something that the swine is eating. That's a snapshot of his life. If we stop, if we would stop just right there, 
and we look at just that snapshot, this is the lowest point of his life. I don't know anybody in here, you've ever been to a low point. I know what it is to be at a low point. When it looks like you will never get up again. When it looks like things will never turn around. Here's a guy who abandoned his father, abandoned his family, took his inheritance. He has spent it all. Now even his friends don't have anything to do with him. And the people that he attached himself to said, go, go feed the swine. You no longer have anything that I can use from you. So I no longer have a need of you. Anybody ever just dismiss you? Because they were through with you? Hallelujah. Yet while he was hungry, the Bible says that here he is hungry. And while he was hungry, there was food at his father's house. But he's left his father's house. And that's why the Bible says very specifically that here he was, lusting after what the swine did eat. He was at a point of desperation. He, he was at a point where when you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything. Anybody in here who's ever been down and out and been struggling of any kind, sometimes when you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything. That's why some of us said earlier that we've done things we said we would never do because we did some of the things that we said we'd never do out of desperation. Because when you and I get desperate, we'll do just about anything. Some of you in here, you, you have been desperate and you, we, some of us have had to, do, we have done some nasty, terrible things, right? Because we got desperate. So now here this boy is in the hog pen. He is down and he is out. It's a snapshot of his life. It looks bleak. It looks terrible. It looks like he'll never bounce back. He's lost his money. He's lost all of his wealth. Here he was. He had a nice home, but he has squandered it all. And if we would stop reading and stop preaching right there, it looks like his entire life is a mess. But I have a question. Have you ever waited on someone that you loved? Have you ever waited on someone that you loved? Maybe you've, have you ever waited on a phone call or a text? Anybody else? You, you, you thought someone should be calling or texting, so you kept checking your phone as if it wasn't going to ring or beep or ding whenever that happened, but we kept checking it anyway. Have you ever waited on someone to miss you, but they never did? The father waited, not knowing if he would ever see his son alive again, he waited. He waited. He waited. If you and I aren't careful, when we wait, we'll start worrying. Because worry is the torment that the devil leaves in place while we wait to continue to deplete our strength. That's why the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The devil doesn't want your strength to become renewed because then you'll have strength to fight him. And so the enemy will get you and I to start worrying about something by filling your head full of images, snapshots of what isn't working, snapshots of what's wrong, snapshots of what might be happening. The Bible doesn't say that the father worried, but any father probably would worry. 
when their son is out there and broke, spent all of his wealth and everything that he had, I wonder if he's okay. I wonder if I'll ever see him again. So here's the son in a place where the father can't reach him. A place where the father can't touch him. And he spent everything that the father put in him and everything that the father had given him. But isn't that when you and I find out who we're really made of? When we're down to nothing. When there is nothing else left and there's not another ounce of resource, that's when we find out what we're really made of. See, when you and I and our back is against the wall, what's interesting to me is it really tells me what a person is really made of and who they are as a person when they are out of options and they make something happen. When, when, when they don't know where else they're going to turn for a resource and they, yet they work harder anyway. They get up, they don't have a job, they don't have any money, but they're going to they're gonna get aggressive, they're going to become ambitious somehow. See, th that's when you really find out what somebody is made of. I I don't know. I don't know if the father did something wrong that made that drove this son away. I don't know because oftentimes as fathers we do make mistakes. Amen. Oftentimes we will do something wrong. But so maybe the father did something wrong that we don't know because. But I do know every father makes a mistake from time to time. But I can guarantee you that the father was at home, waiting and probably worrying and thinking things like maybe if I had just spent more time with him. Maybe if I had showed up at a ball game more times than I did. Maybe if I would have just come home from work a little bit earlier. Maybe if I would have had dinner with him. Maybe if I'd just been home more often. Maybe if I wouldn't have been so angry. Is somebody hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Maybe if I hadn't made so many mistakes my son wouldn't have done this. Maybe maybe if 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 if, if I wouldn't have been just surrounded by guilt. This all wouldn't have happened. See, what, what, am, I, what am I saying to you? I, I, I'm, I'm rehearsing to you the thoughts of one who waits. Because if you have ever had to wait on something, you know you'll go through a period where you'll start blaming yourself for what somebody else did. And so you'll, you'll start rehearsing some thoughts in your mind. The thoughts of a, wait, of a waiter. Maybe if I had been a better husband. They wouldn't have done that to me. Maybe, maybe if I'd have been a better husband, she never would have cheated on me. Maybe if I had been a better wife, he never would have beat me. Maybe if I'd have just been home more. Maybe if I would have quit drinking sooner. Oh, come on. I, I know I'm telling the truth this morning because there were people in this room that you thought maybe if I had just got my life together sooner, they wouldn't reject me. Maybe the relationships I have in my family or the lack thereof, maybe it wouldn't be as broken as it is. And so we sit and we blame ourselves. Maybe if I had just listened to him sooner. Maybe they'd take my call. Every parent in here knows what it is when, when you try to call your child and they won't pick up. And a day goes by in two days and then you text them and no reply to the text. You see them posting on social media, but they still haven't called you. Come on. They're on Twitter and they're on Snapchat, but you haven't heard back. And you think maybe if I had just not have been such a screw up as a father. They'd call me back. Maybe if I just got clean sooner, 
I wouldn't have lost everything. Maybe if I just would have fought harder. See, maybe are the thoughts that run through your mind when you're waiting. Maybe are the thoughts that run through your mind for the people that are waiting. Maybe uh, he thought I'll never see him again. Maybe my son is dead. That brings me to where I want to be today. This parable that we read. All of this Jesus teaches. All of this Jesus teaches to you and I so that we could understand what God goes through waiting on you. See, you know what it is to wait on people. You know what it is to wait on your son or your daughter. You know what it is to sit in a doctor's office and wait. You know what it is to wait on God to move on your behalf. You know what it is to wait. And Jesus teaches us this all so that we can understand what God goes through waiting on you. God watches you and I spend everything that we have on riotous living. God watches us day in and day out live for ourselves. God watches you and I squander the things he blesses us with. He's waiting on you and I while we reject him. God's been trying to draw on some of us and we reject him. While, while, while we reject him in prayer. We only really pray when we get in real desperate trouble. But then we consider God an option any other kind of time. Is somebody hearing what I'm trying to tell you? In other words, while we do what we want to do, our Father in heaven sits there waiting. Waiting. I've often used the analogy that, that I feel like at times God the Father, is He gets and He edges Himself to the edge of the throne. Watch Him. Is He coming? Is Adam going to call out to me? Is He going to call my name? See, you got to understand that, that, God, that this parable was all about the love of a father and his son. And what it really is about, it's not just about the, the father and the prodigal son. What it really is, is about every one of you and I in this place and how God the Father loves you. That he loves you and I so much that literally this morning, he's on the edge of the seat of the throne room of heaven, looking and saying, I, 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 are they going to call out my name today? Are they going to get up and, and, and be motivated for me today? Are, are they going to live for themselves? Or are they going to live for me? I, 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 I just wish I could let Adam know how much I love him. I wish that they could begin to understand that I love them so much that I gave my only begotten son so that they could have everlasting life. I, I, I wish I could help him understand how much I love him. That's what this text is about, the love. The Bible says that there's a brief moment, a moment of epiphany, a divine revelation. And the Bible says that the, the prodigal son came to himself. Notice something. He wasn't in church, but he came to himself. Listen to me. He wasn't in a Sunday school class, but he came to himself. He wasn't in Bible study or Bible college, but the Bible says that he came to himself when he finally reached the lowest place of himself. See, some of us know what it is to hear the voice of God, and yet we're drunk. 
Oh, that's too real for some of you. See, I've had people tell me, Pastor, I, I, I know I heard the voice of God. I was drunk and puking my guts out, but something drew me. Pastor, I, I was completely knocked out high as I could be, but something drew me. See, they came to themselves. Families yelled at them. Families screamed at them. Families quit having anything to do with them a long time ago. But it wasn't until they came to themselves. The Bible says that the boy, he came to himself. And he thought, what am I doing here when there's food in my father's house? And immediately the boy starts rehearsing in his mind because some of you know what it is. But when you screwed up really badly, you stand in the mirror and you start trying to rehearse what you're going to tell somebody how you screwed up. And the reason we'll rehearse, you'll, you'll be driving on your way somewhere where you know someone's going to bring up something that you did. And while you're on your way, you're thinking in your mind, what am I going to say to them? How am I going to smooth this one over? And so we read in the text how the, how the prodigal son starts rehearsing in his mind. Dad, I'm unworthy. Dad, I spent everything that you gave me. I spent everything that you'd given me. And it, it, even if you'll just let me come back as a hired servant, I'm, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I, I'm not worthy. The whole way while I was driving to his daddy's house, he's rehearsing that. And, and the reason he was rehearsing and the reason you and I rehearse what we're going to say to somebody is, we rehearse it because we're afraid that we'll be rejected once we get there. Which is the real reason that you and I in church, while we rarely ever show you who we are. Come on, the reason why we put on such faces and such imagery that we do in the body of Christ is because we're afraid if I ever really let you see who I am, you won't accept me. Long story short, the Bible says that, because we got to close. The Bible says that he journeyed to his father's house. The father was waiting silently. The Bible says, when the father saw the son, yet a ways off. I said, when the father saw the son, a ways off. It didn't say he turned his back and went in the house. It didn't say that he sat there and waited on his son to come to him. It didn't say that he sat there and waited on his son to come and apologize. It said when he saw his son coming from yet a far off. The father, a man in his old age, went to running. Now, some of you know, it takes a real special event to get an old person to run. How about it, Lois? The older we get, the less we run. But so it has to be something really good to make you want to get up and run. Come on. It has to be a really good Black Friday sale. It has to be an emergency of some kind. Some of you haven't run in so long, you're not sure your joints could even handle it. Amen. But the Bible says that when the father who had been waiting and worrying saw his son yet a ways off, he saw him at the top of the summit mountain from where he sat here 
on the front porch of his house. He saw him. He said, that's, I know that's my son. I, I can tell by the way he's walking. I know that's him. The Bible says that the father jumped up and started running towards his son. He started running. I want you to have that understanding that this is describing the kind of love that God has for you. That so many times we are focusing on and so many times we get our theology so wrong that God is, because we haven't done everything right, that somehow God isn't accepting you and I. This story of the prodigal son lets me know that God comes running just when he sees me. I, I didn't apologize yet. I didn't say I'm sorry. I, I didn't even fully repent. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Just so that lets me know that even when people who messed up big time on Saturday night breach the door of the church, God comes running. That lets me know people who are living it up and living wildly and loudly on Saturday night, but yet they still came to church. God got up and started running towards whenever he saw you. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? It lets me know. And it helps me to have a, a more of an imagery of the kind of love that God has for me that I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have it all together for everybody in here that thinks, yeah, you've messed up and you are still trying to fix the relationships that you have broken. Some of us are still paying the price for relationships that we have broken and that we have destroyed because the decisions we make. I want you to understand something. While you wait... As long as you come home, God comes running. And if you allow yourself to only live your life off of the snapshots that the enemy is showing you, you are only going to live your life in the hog pen like the sun. Thinking that's all that it'll ever be. Thinking that things will never get any different and it will never get any better. But if you'll just come to yourself, if you will just allow yourself to realize, I'm not going to live with this guilt and I'm not going to live with this shame. I'm not going to sit here desperate and broken and weary and tired. I'm not going to sit here and do without anymore, but I'm going to go home. I don't know if he's going to fully accept me. I, I don't even know what's going to happen when I get there. But, but if I can just get home, and even if, even if daddy doesn't accept me as one of his own, if, if he'll just let me clean the house. That, that's what the son said. He goes to his father and says, Daddy, if you'll just let me mow the grass. That's enough. You don't, you don't, you don't have to call me son. You don't, have to, you don't have to give me anything else. You don't have to give me any special treatment. Just let me mop the floors, Dad. Dad, let me just sweep up the cobwebs. God, let me do something. I know I screwed up. And... The Bible says the father grabs the son around the neck and he kisses him and he hugs him and he says not a word. The father doesn't say to the son, see, I told you. Son, I wish you'd have listened to me. Somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you today. He loved him and instead they go back and the older son sees daddy preparing a party and the older son thought it was for him because he had been faithful. But really, the party was for the younger son who had screwed up. 
And the father says, give me the robe. Give me the ring. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. Because my son that I waited on, he's come home. The point of everything I said today is that the enemy will often get you and I to live our life off of a snapshot off of an image people judge our church or they judge you based on an image they see online and they don't know the full story I don't want you to judge your life of what's not working based off of that image I want you to know there's an ending I want you to know there, there's an ending to that story I want you to know that the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen you, you, you might not see it you can't see your father's house when you're surrounded by a pig slop and a pig pen and the only thing there to eat is the corn husks that the swine do eat. Sometimes when you are down and out, you can't see yourself. Anybody who's ever been addicted to something, you can't see your way clear. You, you can't even imagine what it would be like to be clean. But now you are. And, and that's great, but, but now you're dealing with the fact of what about all this debris? What about all the collateral damage? I got this right. Come on, anybody ever do something so screwed up so bad that, that even once you fix part of it, there's all the collateral damage of it? You know, a hurricane can blow through a city, but once the storm passes, that's only part of it. Then you have to deal with all the collateral damage. Some of us are waiting. Waiting for all of this to somehow get right. And I don't know about you, but we get tired while we wait. And so today, my, my prayer for you is that you would be strengthened while you wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And that for those of you that are like a prodigal, that you would come to yourself like the prodigal did, that you would have a change in mindset. That's what it means. That you would change your mind. And you'd say, I, I, I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm not going to live my life off of a snapshot. There's an end to my story. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, if you're able to stand to your feet in this place today. I wouldn't be doing my job and I wouldn't be doing it well. If I didn't give an opportunity for people who are the prodigal son to come home. You could be in this place. You can be watching online. You can be viewing on your TV. But if you are the prodigal son and you need to come home to your father. I want to let you know that just as you walked in this place today, just as you tuned in online or tuned in on TV that God started running when he saw you. 
In fact, God's on the run right now. Can you just picture that? That God loves you so much that he's running towards you. And so if there is anybody under the sound of my voice online in this place that you're like the prodigal son and you need to come home, you need to recommit, you, you, need, to, you, need, to ins- you, you need to settle this thing. And you know you're not where you need to be. You know you're not living for him. And you're willing to come to yourself and make that kind of declaration. Don't wait to come because he's running for you right now. And he will meet you in this place. You're not going to just meet me at the front of this place. You're going to meet him in the front of this place. I'll give you a minute. I'll give you a minute. I'm not going to tarry. And then we're going to pray that you be strengthened in this place today. Hallelujah. I'm coming to the end of myself. He's running for you. He's running for you. And then there are others in this place that you are waiting. You've been waiting, and while you wait, you've been weary, and you've been worrying. I want to just pray today that you be strengthened in this place. I want to pray that you be strengthened in this place today. If you've been waiting for something, if you've been worrying at all, where you are, lift, lift a hand towards heaven and let him strengthen you. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not become weary. Hallelujah. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen those that wait. Those that are waiting on someone to get it right. Those that are waiting on God for you to intervene. Those that are waiting on someone to come to themselves. That God, those are just in a season of waiting. Father, we get tired while we wait. Lord, would you breathe on them? Would you bless them? Would you strengthen them right now? Power of the Holy Spirit. Move throughout this room today. Your word declares that as we wait, that you would strengthen us. Now strengthen your people while they wait, while while they're like the the father waiting on the son. They don't know how long it's going to be. They don't know how long it's going to take. But Father, while they wait, strengthen them. Empower them. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, just breathe on them and breathe over this place today. I pray. Father, allow this to be a a, a moment where, Lord, you just empower them by the Holy Spirit that you strengthen them from the inside out. Strengthen their mind. Strengthen the very spirit and soul of every person in this place to endure and withstand while they wait. God will give you glory for it. Father, I pray. as, As they go through this week, they'll not live their week based off of just images and snapshots but they'll live this week knowing that Lord anytime they call you come running Father thank you for being on the run thank you Lord for being on the run for me thank you Lord for 
running after me when when no one else would. God, thank you for running after me when you saw me get up this morning. Father, thank you for running after me when you saw me walk in the building today. Thank you, God, for being on the run and running after us, God. When you, when, when you see me trying to get it right, you come running. I may not always get it right, but even when you see me trying to get it right, thank you that, Lord, you come running. God, will give you praise and glory. Father, bless the week ahead for these people. God, I pray that there just be ridiculous favor over them and everything that they do and everything that they attempt to do and everything that they're a part of. God, give them favor in the name of Jesus. Bless them. Multiply into their life. And God, give them an extraordinary day where the joy of the Lord would be their strength today. And God, we bless you. We thank you. In Jesus, your powerful name, church, we say amen and amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful week in Jesus. Say hi to somebody if you didn't get a chance to earlier. We love you. Have a great day in Jesus.